warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. And welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam in hand here, sitting in studio with my best friend David Niles. Present. We have Juan Posada on the on the keys, and we have one of our favorite guests, uh, Mr. Andrew Pudawa from IEW.com. Andrew, thanks so much for hanging out with us again this evening. It is a joy to be here. Absolutely. This is number, is this number three? It is. I was thinking time. about that on the way yeah. over. Like, mm. And it's an open invitation anytime that you oh, want to I don't want to wear out my welcome. No. Here, that's here why I said. on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost yes. Sunday. How, yeah, happy Pentecost. Yes. yes. Birth of the, the third church. person of the Trinity. Third yeah. third episode appearance. Three buckle, guys All right, guys, out. buckle oh, in. It's going to be crazy. For a long time, that <laughs> that threeness. Yes. I, I give it a three out of three. <laughs> High five. Hi, hi three. High three. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the dumbest thing we've that done. That could be really, yeah. I'm already I'm pouring this. Good. I hope Very you don't good. mind. Yeah. One, I wish that you could have edited that out, but that's not the case because we are live. Uh, so if this is your first time tuning into the Catholic Man Show, welcome. We've actually received, Dave, we've received, I guess, a... Maybe a 50% bump in listeners over the last time I checked the numbers yeah. to this time. Not so sure why, but, you know. Not, not sure, but so there's obviously new people tuning in, and we welcome you. I'm grateful for you uh, tuning you. in. If this is your first time, we do three things every episode. We open, review, and enjoy a man beverage, which this evening will be a, a nice scotch. Uh, we highlight a man gear, and then we have a, a discussion. And we just try to have this atmosphere of, Guys hanging out outside by a campfire or, you know, around around a dinner table having meaningful discussions. That's our goal. You, is that okay with you? I, th- I think you're reaching your goal if more people are tuning yeah. in. That's, sans that's campfire. Yeah. yeah, sans campfire this evening. Well, it's the, the fire in the spirits. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah. with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, so this evening we're going to have Spay Trutina. Aged in bourbon casks. Do you think you said that right, Trutina? I don't know. You're you're more of the... It's got a little yeah, accent the, or macron over the A. I over the A. I don't know if that means you would accent that syllable or not, Trutina. Trutina. Yeah, and it's uh, we're talking about Gaelic pronunciations here, oh, so remember, then, they don't make sense. No, then then I'd have no clue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, this, like I said, it's a, it's a limit... Or I didn't say this. It's a limited release... 18,000 bottles were made. So this the brand is Spay? Spay. Is yes. it a Spayside? It is a... I would expect something called bel- Spay to be a Spayside. I believe so. It's a, it's, it is single malt, it's, so it's not a blend, but I do believe it's considered a Spayside. Yes, mm. Spayside from Spayside's distillery. S-P-E-Y. S-P-E-Y, yeah. yes. So 
it it's very similar to Highland scotches. Spaceside and Highland carry very similar notes, but let, let's cheers and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. One of the Lord's team? The winning side. So raise your glass. Uh, while you guys are hmm. are sm- nosing and, and tasting, I'm getting maybe some wheat on the nose. Hmm? Yes, uh, I'll read the tasting notes and maybe it'll enhance your 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 drinking okay, experience. That's good. On the nose, it has it says chocolate cheesecake, candied orange, and fresh barley. The barley. <laughs> I said wheat. You did. That's basically the same thing. <laughs> there, there's a citrusiness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the palate, it says almonds, buttered bread, orchard blossoms. It's crisp and refreshing. I think okay. the people who write this have to be very good with words. They're, yeah. You know, attaching words to things that aren't wordy. Yeah. So we just had, I was telling you about this guy, uh, Thomas Baldonado. He's the hand rolling cigar Tomas. guy. Tomas. Uh-huh. Yes, I'm sorry, Tomas. Uh, and he was telling us about, you know, describing cigars. And he said, it's not so much that you can't taste it, but that you don't have the words to describe it. Mm. And that's really what someone who's good at giving tasting notes is that they've got what you ha- what yeah. you just said is the right words. So what was it on the palate? Say that again. Almonds, buttered bread, orchard blossoms, and it's crisp and refreshing. And then on the finish, it's a medium length with notes of sugared peels. Sugared peels? What kind of peels? Mm-hmm. Probably orange peels. Orange peels, peels, yeah. That means, I don't think it's lemon peels. No, so it's a, it's orangey. A, it's yeah. a well-balanced single malt from Spay ranged, uh, released in the late 2016s along with their first peated scotch as well. But it's matured in bourbon barrels. The The name comes from a Latin way of expressing balance. And the whiskey certainly falls in a line of uh, with this idea. There's only a release of... Spay eight. is Latin for balance? Or... or Trutina. Trutina. Oh. And like I said, there's a release of 18,000 bottles. So... Trutina could be connected with truth. There you go. I mean, that would be a stretch. Oh, this but, isn't a dictionary, is it? Oh, it's a Latin grammar. Yeah, oh. we need we need a Latin. I think I have one dictionary. I have one somewhere. I, I, have I one used to have here. one back but, when I took Latin but, in high but school. But we can believe the yeah, we can believe the notes. Yeah, the yes. tasting notes. Mm-hmm. So what? So it's a very light colored uh, for for Scotch. It's yeah. very light colored. Yeah. It's almost like it reminds me of Ardbeg's color. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's not quite as light as Ardbeg, but it's very very close. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Do you enjoy it? I do. Yeah, I I can catch the buttery. Mm-hmm. I got the buttery, mm-hmm. almondy. Yeah, the buttery is when I put it in my mouth. That's one of the first tastes I get. Mm-hmm. Is that nice, rich butter? Very smooth. Been eating a lot of butter lately too. So he's, on, he's keto dieting. Oh, I'm, well. on the, I'm on the keto diet. Is that working for you? Yeah, really. Sometimes good. too well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I don't know. But your energy's good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, so I basically, uh, like one of the things I do is these keto coffee bombs. You take some coffee, mm-hmm. put a tablespoon of butter in it, mm-hmm. and a tablespoon of coconut oil. Right. It's delicious. Yeah, that's the bulletproof coffee yeah, stuff. Bulletproof yeah, bulletproof coffee. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got some friends been doing that for a while. And yeah. it's like, pfft, diet, no diet, this is the right way to drink coffee. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and Starbucks just doesn't have it No, yet. no. Yeah. And it's like, what else can we put butter in? I don't. The I, answer I, is everything. Well, it's like I was just thinking. What about scotch? It's like, well, well, nah, uh, not, but not, maybe not yet. But. I have heard of uh, hot buttered rum. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, hot. So, I've had a hot buttered rum. Yeah, so you can mix some butter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could try it with scotch. Maybe you would. 
you discover something awesome that nobody ever thought of before. Yeah. Andrew, you, you were have, just telling yes. us right before the show that you've been traveling quite a bit doing conferences uh, yeah. for IEW, correct? Yeah. You know, we, uh, this is conference season on the homeschool circuit. So um, uh, two weeks ago I was in Florida, and then I came home, and then I was in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I came home, and then I was in Virginia, and I'm home for a couple of days. I'm being Ontario, California, mm-hmm. so it's just one after another, and it's great. The homeschool movement is just exploding. Yeah, more and more people are just having to bail out of the public system for one reason or another. They just can't handle it anymore, and so they're looking. They're looking for a better way. Yeah, and so you know it's exciting. And one of the things that's happened in the last 10 years or so in the homeschool world, it's become, I think, uh, much more ecumenical in that, you know, a lot of the groups were primarily Protestant groups, you know, fundamentalist Protestant, but, and Catholics didn't always feel welcome. But now we see, you know, Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants um, sharing the conversation. We have so much more in common now. and that's a great thing for me in the home in the homeschooling in the group. homeschooling yeah. world, and particularly in the world of classical education. Well, I was going to ask if they really come together. It seems to me, you know, just by the how often I hear people bring up classical education that it's becoming a lot more popular. Yeah, like there's a people now. I don't. I think it was something that people weren't even aware of. That oh, what do you mean a classical edu? You know, what is that? And now it's on the radar of all yeah. these people. And, and so it's becoming more popular. The, Is that homes, right? Homeschools, um, of course, the uh, you know the kind of reformed Christian schools kind of got it going first, I guess. But the Catholic schools are starting now to want to reclaim their tradition because they're looking at it, saying, you know, if we're just a public school warmed over with you know a Catholic name, what are we doing here? Who's going to pay for that? Right. Who's going right. to go out of the way? Yeah. Uh, and sadly, in the last 20 years, over 1,200 Catholic schools in the U.S. have closed. Hmm. Um, and a like number of charter schools have opened. So uh, so I uh, I spoke with uh, Bishop Ricken in Green Bay mm-hmm. earlier this year, and I said, just give me five minutes to talk to the whole United you know, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Just five minutes, that's all I want, uh-huh. and I'll tell them what they need to hear. <laughs> Which is, really, the Catholic schools need to recapture their Catholicity. They need to recapture their classical tradition. Uh That's what people want. And we see where that is happening, the growth, the Catholic schools thriving, and where they're, you know, buying the common core state standard stuff, just like the public schools, people are just leaving. To me, that's just a sign that the the person in charge is just really unaware of the problems with, you know, they don't. I, I hate to say this, not being an education professional, but it just seems like they don't get it. Well, it you know, I'm sure all bishops are very busy, you know. Yeah. But, but you would think um, attending to the schools. Well, I mean, the principals of the schools who are, you know, really more probably directly implementing the education curriculum. Right. You know. Yeah. And the other thing that's happening with homeschool conferences is you'll find people drinking whiskey and smoking cigars. That never happened 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, we're here with Andrew Pudua. This is the Catholic Man Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan and our friend, Andrew Pudua. We're drinking some really good Speyside Spey. Mm-hmm. You know what? I really like this. This is a really good... You know, Highlands, it, Highlands aren't my thing, but I really, I really like. Would this. you consider this balanced? I would. I would say it's balanced. I'm inter- I, I, It's intriguing though that it, you know it's aged in bourbon barrel, bourbon casks, mm-hmm. which normally when that happens, you get the the woody, the tannin mm-hmm. taste um, in the scotch. And I'm not. I don't pick that up as much. Do you? No, I. I would think smoky is not a word I would use. With this no. one, no. And I just thought the strangest thing. I have absolutely no idea if there's any connection, but you know, we we were talking about the name here mm-hmm. being connected somehow linguistically with truth, mm-hmm. and of course, in Latin, the word spes means faith. Quick correction: spes actually means hope, but we didn't realize that we said faith until after the program. So I wanted to make sure to get a quick correction in there. Sometimes it happens on radio. Now back to the regular scheduled program. So space, yeah. mm. space? is it possible? Spes. There's, you know, who knows? You know, sometimes, especially on Pentecost Sunday, the Lord really organizes and brings some things together. <laughs> I mean, like, but but literally, we're we're here today. The man here today is a, a English to Latin dictionary. Latin, you, Latin to English. Yep, you've got that dictionary and a, and a Latin grammar book. And here we are drinking a whiskey that just so happens to be. Given a Latin name, you know, it's like, what are the odds? I mean, how many other whiskeys have we had that are have been given Latin names? And and I don't Latin know. with the uh, with the Celtic, yeah, with, twist. with the Celtic twist. pronunciation, yeah. sure, so. of course, because this the like you said the the dash over the a that's not a Latin. Well, they do use thing. macrons in in Latin, and there is a pronunciation is there element as oh, really? well as yeah, because you'll have some um, words that are like. Homo, homonyms, they, they look the same, but with a macron, it differentiates, hmm. uh, usually in the, the ending of the word, the, the case, hmm. if you will. But uh, So, you know, why Latin? I mean, it's a dead language. Right, that's what Dave and I, well, and Juan, uh, all went to the Latin Rite Mass this morning. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, awesome. You know, yeah. so, and every time, you, when you talk to somebody about the Latin Mass who doesn't go to the Latin Mass... Why, why are you guys doing that? Yeah, why, why are you going to the Latin mess? You can't understand. You, you know, you, you don't speak Latin. Latin's a dead language. Why are you going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always a interesting... So, so why did you go? Uh, I go for a... There's a whole host of reasons uh, well, why, why I go. A couple of them. A, cu- a couple of them is, is the reverence. Reverence. It, it's yeah. uh, the tradition that I, that I really like. I also go because of the, the altar boys. Because uh, my boy, you know, I have boys, and they're like they zero in yes, focus on yeah, the altar boys. They do uh, because every altar boy has a specific role that they play, or not play, but they, they help celebrate through the mass. Yeah, and um, my boys are very keen on that. And in the Latin mass, the altar boys have to say the confiteor, right? Right. So they have they to have know some Latin to do mm-hmm. that job. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think I just really like the beauty of the liturgy in general. Even if it was the whole thing celebrated in English, I just think that it would just be a beautiful. A very, you know, it's one that's very intentional mm-hmm. about everything that's done. Yeah. Not that the Novus Ordo isn't uh, beautiful. Can't, you know, certainly can be celebrated very beautifully. It's not always done that way, but um, well, and it's it's very old. I mean, it very old. The, the Tridentine Latin Mass hasn't changed for a very long time, yeah. so it's stable. But um, one thing you guys know, John Senior, of course, yeah, Restoration mm-hmm. of Christian Culture. 
He said, <clears throat> Latin is the language in which the Bride of Christ sang her love song to her Lord for a thousand years. Beautiful. If that's not enough reason to know a little Latin. You know, I've recently, I was, I've told Adam about this, but I've done some thinking about Latin. And it's one of the things that we have a, we've just abandoned from our Catholic culture. Mm. If you're Jewish, you go to a Jewish school and you learn Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Why? It's not so you can speak it. It's because you're Jewish. It's because you're Jewish. And there's, there's words in that language that belong in the language. Right. That don't really translate. Right. And it is, you know, beautiful. Now you get to read the Old Testament in its original Hebrew, you know. But as Catholics, we should do the same thing. We're Catholic. Mm-hmm. You learn Latin. Augustine wrote his prayers in Latin, and Aquinas wrote his Summa in Latin. Mm-hmm. And so many of the great Catholic saints wrote in Latin. <clears throat> so, yeah, it'd be awesome to read it. So I've decided we're, we're going to teach our kids Latin, which means I need to Learn brush up on my own Latin. <laughs> yes, yes. My, yeah. my friend Martin Cawthorn says, uh, to be a gentleman, you don't have to know Latin, but you must have learned enough to have forgotten some. Yes. Okay. Well, th- count me in on that. I took, I took Latin one and two in high school, so Good. I've forgotten almost all of but it. But you'll, you'll pick it up. You'll yeah, it I up mean, I hope quickly. so. But, uh, you know, there's such an amazing... Uh, my friend uh, Chris Perrin says, when you learn Latin, it's like x-ray vision into your own language. Mm-hmm. Because you're learning the root, core meaning of words. I'll give you a great example. You know the word diligent. Yeah. How would you define diligent? Um, persistent mm-hmm. work. Persistent work. Yeah. Add to um, that. Uh, continuate, like... A vigilant, a vigilant. Vigilant, dedicated. Uh, yeah, dedicated. dedicated mm-hmm. Persistent, yeah. So the word comes from the Latin adverb diligence, which means diligently, but the original <laughs> root is diligo, which is the Latin verb for to love. It's one of the words in Latin for love. Ah. So why are we diligent? Because we love. Mm. Wow. I mean, that's just an example of how you see, wow, the meaning of the word we use is much richer than our everyday application. Yeah. It originates from, from something. And countless examples like that. Yeah, because that, uh, that's what's, you call it, what is it, etymology? Is that what it is when you study a different, you know, the root of the word? Yeah, so not to be confused with entomology, which is the study of insects. Insects, right. correct. <laughs> but etymology, yeah. The and a good etymologist words. would know that. that of, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you guys do. Cause, <laughs> but yes, the origin of words, it's so interesting to me. But so anyway, yeah, I just think that, well, first of all, Latin is a crazy language because there's very little word order. So you can, for the most part, take words and mix them up into different orders, and it means the same thing. You could say it's it's almost, rather than crazy, acrobatic. Yeah. And uh, give give the great Latin poets all sorts of options. That's what I was just going to say. English poets didn't necessarily <laughs> If you need to have. rhyme a word, you can mix the words around. It's like, well, I'll just, this is the word that, I'll just put it at the end, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. for the right timbre and verse, yeah. So, so why do we need a Latin, or English to Latin dictionary? Well, um, one thing is if you were studying something, let's say, well, um, let's say you were studying for a physical uh, PT trainer okay. job, right? right? And you had to take a course and then you had to take a test. Well, you're studying anatomy. 
well, okay, what do you learn? You learn yeah. all the parts of the body. Almost all of those are connected with Latin in some way. Right? Mm. Atrium in the right. heart. My son was telling me this today. Atrium. Well, that was easy to remember because that's like a room. Right? Atrium. Yeah. Atrium in Latin. So if you, if you make the connection, it helps with your understanding. Over 60% of English words of three syllables or more are derived from the Latin. So having a, a little Latin dictionary handy. Of course, now, you know, not a lot of people carry around books, but I've got an awesome Latin dictionary app. So, you do? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. It, it, well, let's because yeah, I used to I used to trust Google Translate <laughs> <No>. <laughs> until until a monk at Clear Creek exposed my ignorance and yeah. Well, this particular one is called SPQR, which of course is the Senatus Populusque Romanus, the voice of the people is the voice of Rome. Yeah. Um, and it will go from Latin to English, English to Latin. It gives you a parser, and so if you see a word. In English, that you think is derived from Latin, you can type in the English word and look and see if there's an origin connection. What and does it can, say does for it, cheers? Wait, does it? Yeah, does it for cheers? Yeah. yeah. Does it? Does oh, it translate? Or does it just? You want to know cheers? Yeah. Yes. And if it says eubensium, I don't think it's giving me anything for that. It must be defective. Okay, so it's for it's it's yeah, it's that one right there. S S P Q R. Yeah. What do you get? Well, well what just, do you think? I was just well, Google Google Translate said it was eubensium, and so we used to say eubensium Yesu is like cheers to Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, until mm. we went to Clear Creek, <laughs> and, and he, between and like, one of the segments, no he just starts <laughs> this monk brother Nesbitt starts cracking up. He's like, just so you know, eubensium is totally nonsensical. It it doesn't mean anything. And yeah, like, well, you probably need something like let's drink, you right? Know, yeah, you know, or to Jesus or something. Yeah, to like you, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, that you know that little app is handy, and you know if you if you have kids and you're going to uh, start teaching them Latin, you know there's so many good materials available to start in a very gentle way. They can. You're talking to me earlier about your children memorizing uh, poems and scripture. Yeah. So you can actually get like Latin prayers. And do that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You can do the... Laudate uh, has a whole section for Latin, uh-huh, the Laudate yeah. app. Just, just simply, you know, the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the mm-hmm. Table Blessing. You know, that's easy to integrate uh, into just daily life with young children, right. you know. Yeah, but knowing Latin is important. I mean, it's, it used to be more important, but so that you could know the Mass, you know, so that the words that the priest says are not just gibberish to you, mm-hmm. so that you can align the movements of your heart with the movements of the priest. You know, the prayer he's saying can become your own, you know, and that way you can internalize just the beauty and the, you know, the offering that the priest is making on your behalf. You can really make yourself a part of that offering. You know, it was interesting. When I moved here, um, I was convicted that I needed to teach Latin to the kids out in Clear Creek, including my two youngest. And as I learned it, I was able to see and understand more and more in the Missal every week it was like ah now i know why that is is the way it is yeah it's so exciting yes so when we get back we're going to talk about uh the seven liberal the seven liberal arts arts. yeah 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 all right we'll be right back Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. 
Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We upload all of our episodes on YouTube. You'll catch in between segments. We upload the whole video up onto YouTube, so you'll be able to catch in between conversations. You'll get to hear a chance. You'll get a chance to hear Juan's story that he told in between segments, uh, which is a can't miss. Always, Juan's stories are can't miss. Yeah. Um, so be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you enjoy the Catholic Man Show and are enjoying uh, us having guests in studio, we would really appreciate your support. Even $4 a month goes a long way because if everybody was donating $4 a month to the Catholic Man Show, we'd be able to continue doing, we'd be able to do a whole lot. Tons of stuff. Um, and $4, be, that is nothing. That's, yeah. that's not much. So you can go to patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show uh, and you you get a whole host of gifts and thank you gifts and Facebook stuff, but just go there and you'll be able to find out more about that. Patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show. Help us get to where we can launch the wine. Yes, we're really close to watching. We have, we have our own wine. Really? It's uh, well, it's not not yet, but I mean, it's been made. Our blend has been made. Mm-hmm. It's a red blend aged in. Better be red. In uh, yeah. yeah, a red blend aged in Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels. Oh. Oh, so um, I want to get on the list. Yeah, so uh, I'm you can, really excited about it. You can also do uh, what Matthew Siri has done, a good friend of ours that we met at the E6 Men's Conference when we mm-hmm. were there. Uh, he went and he gives twenty to five dollars a month is the friend tier, so the highest tier that we have. So mm-hmm. thank you, Matthew. Okay, let's let's jump into the topic. Okay, so we're talking today about the seven liberal arts. I must confess, Andrew, that you're going to have to tell me what they are. Well, it's a it's a hilarious thing when you start talking to random people about liberal arts. No, I'm a conservative. Okay. Well, mo- most people have <laughs> no idea what you mean. You know, the average person on the street would think something like, "Oh, it must be a Obama appreciation class, or, right. you know, something, or a Bernie Sanders, you know, yeah, thing. lesbian dance <laughs> appreciation but or something." Even the people who think they know what liberal arts mean. They think, oh, that's that stuff you study, like English and philosophy and history. You can't get a job with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, kind of what they yeah, think. Yeah, the, the pointless stuff. And then, of course, I think the liberal arts colleges, in a way, have confused the issue. But if we look at the classical liberal arts, there are seven of them, and they're divided into the trivium, or the meeting of three ways, and the quadrivium, the meeting of four ways. I like it Three so far. Three plus four, right? Of course, oh, no, knowing okay. your Latin will help you with the translation of <laughs> trivium and quadrivium, right? Try Qu- Quadrivium is a sweet word. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. And these go way back. I mean, these are, these are pre-Christian era things. The Greeks started to formulate these. And so they're divided in these two groups. The trivium consists of grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And the quadrivium consists of arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. So essentially, the trivium is the the qualitative or the language-based arts, and then the quadrivium is the mathematical or quantitative-based arts. And astronomy, is that science? Well, you know, it's very interesting, the relationship between those things. Um, So everyone knows arithmetic. That's yeah. number. You right? need you. That's something you do need. Yeah. So most although I've gone a long time without using the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem, like that's one of my longest streaks. But but then is that <laughs> is that is that arithmetic or geometry? Because they could be slightly different. Though. Oh yeah, that's but, true. But but here's the lo- here's the logic here. 
So arithmetic is the study of number, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Geometry is the study of shape. shape. And the, the most important uh, geometry book ever written by Euclid, The Elements, has no numbers in it. It's, what? It's got no numbers. It's geometry purely based on shape and ratios and understanding. So is he the one that. who came up with sine and cosine? Um, I, I'm not totally sure, but... Is he Greek? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Euclid. Yeah, and Pythagoras, totally. he was Greek, obviously. Yeah, those guys are but, totally Greek. But yeah. so um, you can smell the olives in their name. So so then, um, music is the study or harmonics. You might uh, one of my friends, Andrew Kern, likes the term harmonics rather than music, but um, hmm. that's the study of number in motion, and then astronomy is the study of shape in motion, and so that's the relationship okay. between those. Uh, so, the so astronomy is not stars. Well, it's it's. I mean, it is stars, but it's not just stars. It, it's kind of like this. Um, it, it could have been Pythagoras. It could have been someone else. But they noted that <clears throat> different blacksmiths' hammers would give different pitches based on the size of the hammer. And this came to the study of vibration and number and pitch. So one of the very cool things, and, and I don't know if you know this about me, but my first career was violin teacher. I did not know yeah, this. Yeah, so before I got no. into this weird business of running around teaching writing seminars, um, I was a full-time Suzuki violin and kinder music teacher. No kidding. Uh, so one of the coolest things about music, you know it's mathematical because you've got rhythm, right? Whole notes, half notes, yeah. right. double dotted 64th notes, right? It's all mathematical. Right. And the intervals, we even use numbers, so you have a... A minor third, a major third, a perfect fourth, perfect fifth. Yeah. But the pitches themselves are mathematical. So have you ever been to an orchestra concert? Uh, I have one. Where, okay. Yeah. So yeah. usually, if you go to an orchestra concert, usually the, the concert master, concert mistress comes out, they point to the oboe, and the oboe plays a, a note. Something like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the violins start tuning to that note, and then the cellos start tuning. Well, that note in the West is generally A440. The number means the number of vibrations per second that is creating that note. Now, here's what's awesome. Exactly one octave above A440 would be A880. Exactly one octave below A440 would be A220. Exactly one octave below that would be A110, right? And so the octaves themselves... I was zoned out. One eleven. Okay. He's, he's just cl- transfixed by the awesomeness of this. I think that if you did play one eleven, many people could not hear the no, difference. No, no, right? Probably no. Probably one could. not. So, so the very vibrations themselves are mathematical. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the interesting things. So when you hear something that's harmonic, you go to the cathedral and you hear this magnificent organ playing with all these harmonies happening simultaneously. These are mathematical. Yeah. ratios. Yes, because their, their wavelengths are equally divisible by each other. Yes, yes. So then when they started looking at the stars, they said, well, these are mathematical too. That's where we get that whole idea that there's music of the spheres. You've heard that term, uh-huh. music of the spheres, that, that these vibrations are, are mystical. They're, cosm- they're cosmology. Uh, and so this, this whole study is something that the ancient people, you know, had time to do. We're, we're very practical. We learn math uh, so we can do STEM subjects, so we can have technology, so we can become rich and comfortable. But the ancients were, were studying 
the quadrivium because of the beauty of the relationships. Think about how much better you would study it if that's how much more, how much more diligently you would uh, study if you're doing it for you know because of the beauty. You just reminded me of another Latin word. So you know the word study and yes. studio. Mm-hmm. So in Latin, studio means zeal. Zeal. You're supposed to have zeal. Here's another word one. School comes from the Greek, skola, meaning leisure. So you have zeal and leisure. You study in school. <laughs> I don't think most kids uh, today or we... I did not connect that. No, mm-hmm. we wouldn't. But I'm going to go to school for just some nice relaxation, <laughs> some nice leisure. But, but it was leisure because, see, the, this gets us back to the idea of liberal arts. So mm-hmm. why do we use the word liberal? Well... Um, you know, it's been hijacked by progressives, yeah, yeah. but it really is connected with what are the words? Liberty, library, right? Liber, bark, book, right? Why? Because there were different classes, classifications of arts. There were the arts of service, the servile arts, right? Arts of service. There were practical arts, things like blacksmithing and medicine. Mm-hmm. And then there were the liberal arts. Those were the arts that free men and women would study so that they would retain their intellectual and hopefully spiritual and physical freedom. So one reason we want to be well-educated and study the liberal arts and become better and better at doing them is so that we are educated and free. Thomas Jefferson said, mm-hmm. a people who hopes to be uneducated and free is hoping for something that never has been and never will be. So yeah. that liberal, you know, has has a much greater meaning. Yeah, because that person is doomed to be a servant. Well, and there's someone. nothing wrong with, with the arts of service, right? No. Um, but the idea of being educated means you can be self-governing, mm-hmm. right? And and if you're self-governing, then you you don't need people to tell you what to do all the time. Which is sort of like the virtuous life. The, vir- the man who has virtue mm-hmm. can also now be self-governing because he has disciplined himself. And yeah. So it's, it's sort of like the virtue of the mind, almost. Right, and uh, one of my friends, Andrew Kern, you know, he will often define classical education as the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. Hmm. By nourishing the soul on the good, the true, and the beautiful, and... Um, practicing the liberal arts, the liber- he calls them the liberating arts. Yeah. yeah, and you know, back to your definition about education, forming the appetites to desire the true, the good, and the beautiful. If you are educated in that way, how much easier would it be to grow in virtue if your appetites have already been formed to desire that which is virtuous? You know, like, yeah. what an advantage you huge would have advantage. in life. What a huge advantage your kids are going to have. I sure hope so. (laughs) I'm going to ruin it. (laughs) Oh, I'm confident. You guys are awesome. Okay, we're here with Andrew Pudua. Go check out IEW.com. That is Andrew Pudua's... What do you call it, Andrew? It's our company's Your company, your whole company. Our company is Institute for Excellence in In Writing, writing. IEW.com. Okay, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Inhan and Andrew Pudua. Owner, president, director of IEW? Founder. Founder. Yeah, any of those. Grand Poobah. <laughs> Grand Poobah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Nice. I like it. I don't, but... You need a <laughs> new name I... tag, sir. Mm, maybe. Okay. <laughs> he said, I don't. I know some of your underlings. I will have them get on that. Mm, that could be crisis, but... <laughs> People who may or may not have access to your official logo, whatever that may be. I'm... Mm. Okay, you know. we'll see what happens. <laughs> he's not too concerned. I have veto power over everything. Yeah, he's not too concerned. <laughs> Christmas gift, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, our friend Juan Posado is asking this question at the break about the difference, grammar, modern un- modern understanding of grammar versus the classic liberal arts understanding of grammar. Today, grammar is like, if you've learned grammar, you're done. Mm-hmm. Where I believe in the older understanding grammar was the beginning yeah well it it goes back actually to the word arts we say liberal arts okay and so uh, as opposed to science so arts and science and and of course there's integration there but arts comes from artes which means something you do science comes from shio which means to know yeah so you think of an art as something more similar to painting or playing music or dance or a skill that you keep developing. You don't just say, okay, I'm a fully perfected violinist. I mean, nobody nobody mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. It's, it's a path you step on and you can study it more rigorously and you practice and you get better and better and better. Um, we have some grammar materials, quite honestly, uh, that we publish, which are very sophisticated. I mean, a kid who finishes our level level six fix it probably knows has greater facility with speed and accuracy in understanding and identifying things than probably ninety nine point nine 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 percent of English speaking people on earth. I mean, it is Sweet. a very advanced grammar program. But do you need that right to get by? Well, obviously not. No, but. Um, so we, we look at, as and Juan said, you know, you say, okay, I learned grammar, I'm done. Rather than I practice grammar every day, hmm. and I keep getting better right. my whole life long. I learn things very often about English grammar, and I've been pushing this thing for, you know, 25 years, honestly. So we think about that. How about logic, right? Uh, well, grammar is the foundation. It makes logic possible. So if you want to have a syllogism... For logic, you've got to have premises. To have a premise, you have to have a subject and a predicate. I mean, grammar is what actually gives structure to language, and consistent understanding and accuracy of grammar allows for consistent understanding and accurate communication. That then allows for logic and the whole the mm-hmm. whole practice of logic, which is an art. You can study it forever, honestly. Yeah. And then, of course, if you have good grammar and good logic, rhetoric is possible. Right, because we think grammar is syntax, the syntax of a sentence, the comma is in the right spot, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But isn't it more than that? It's like choosing, is this the best word? Mm -hmm. Is Is that part of grammar from a more historic standpoint? Well, it's... It's deeper than that. It's, it's like having x-ray vision into a sentence. Mm-hmm. Right? So take something hard to read. 
uh, something by Shakespeare. Shakespeare or something a little less hard but still challenging for the modern reader. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne. I'm reading a book by Hawthorne right now. Alexand- uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Right? People who wrote in that era, they wrote very complex sentences, right? Mm-hmm. And to parse the sentence, you have to have a knowledge of the grammar of the thing in order to have the comprehension. There's a really interesting book. I will get you a copy. It's called The War Against Grammar okay. by David Mulroy. He's a professor of classics at the University of Wisconsin and noticed over a couple decades uh, of his teaching there that uh, his students seem less and less able to understand just the literal meaning of the text. And he wondered, you know, why, why is this getting worse? Why are these kids not able to just understand what they're reading? So he tried a little experiment, and he put the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence on a quiz, right, uh, and gave two bonus extra credit questions. Mm-hmm. Number one, do you recognize this? And number two, uh, what does it mean? In your own words, paraphrase. Well, he found that fewer than half of his students recognized it at all. (laughs) And fewer than one-third had any idea what it meant. And he actually, in the book, gives some examples of their paraphrasing, which is just, it's tragically hilarious, because it completely missed the point. Well, why? Why? Well, if you read the sentence, it's got all sorts of dependent clauses, and the main clause is the very last one, and that's where the subject exists. If you can't parse that thing, you can't understand the complex thought. Yeah. Kind of like Latin. Kind of like Latin. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because the trivillage? Trivium. 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 We talked about the quadrivium. Right. Of the seven, what do you think is missing the most today? Well, it's hard to deconstruct arithmetic, yeah. although calculators in classrooms have been doing a pretty good job of helping with that. Um, you know, geometry is still pretty intact and respected. It's very hard to de- deconstruct things like music, and we teach the sciences. Grammar definitely has taken a back seat, but I think probably the weakest point in the education of modern American children is logic. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Logic or rhetoric... Yeah. But you can't have good rhetoric if you don't have good logic. No, you can't. And and the word rhetoric in well, the popular sphere only has negative connotation. If you well, can it, you? Can you have good rhetoric if you don't cuz you can ha- you can make a really bad logical uh statement. You know, that's not logical, but it sounds good. But it, is that good rhetoric? Is though? that good rhetoric? Well, let's say you can have successful rhetoric, okay, and get elected president. Right. Without having Strong good word. rhetoric and good logic. Andrew, Trump has all the best words. <laughs> yes, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm not picking on any particular right, president. Right, 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 but, right, you know, right. it's interesting if you... That's if you, just really funny. <laughs> if, if you look at rhetoric, there's the ethos, pathos, and logos. You, you, right. You've heard yes. that. Yes. So the ethos is is the integrity of the person and, and the, the message, the uh, credibility of the person. Um, and then the... The logos is the logical structure, the the organization of ideas. Does that make sense? To, do people easily detect fallacies, or or is it free from fallacies? Um, and and then the pathos is the connection with the audience. So I'll tell you the truth. I lost a hundred and twenty dollar bet 
on who would be the president. And during the last election, Praise, praise God. Because, yes, I was hoping to lose. <laughs> right. But I bet someone, he was poor, he needed money anyway. So I bet him, <laughs> I bet him 10 to 1 odds that Hillary would win. Yeah. And when, when Trump won, I, I said, how did you know? He goes, well, don't bet against Plato, you know, because you know, there's an understanding there. So you think about who's, who's been president. Go all the way back to Clinton, right? It's the pathos. I feel your pain. Right. Mm. And go back to Obama, hope and change. Right. And that's what Trump had was this pathos. Let's make America great again. Yeah. He didn't have much of a plan. Well, and also Hillary had almost none of that. No. And they both lacked the ethos. So that was a a push. I mean, she had this really hardcore kind of logical, intellectual, didn't connect with people. Kind of like Romney. You know, he was he was Mm. just very intellectual, but he didn't grab people's heartstrings in yeah. a way. But those when those things are in perfect balance, right? The ethos, the pathos, the logos, the the giver of the message, the content of the message and the audience mm-hmm. and how it hits the audience, that's when excellent rhetoric happens. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why I, I want to homeschool my my boys or my kids in general is 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 because I didn't receive the logic and rhetoric, it, you know, uh, growing up and it's like I realize now how important that is. Mm-hmm. So as as dads, what are your suggestions to to start learning more about it? How do I how do we teach that to our kids? How do we pass that down? Well, you know, it's it's pretty easy to find texts now, thanks to the revival of classical education happening. Yeah, uh, it's pretty easy to find different texts that teach logic. Um, Memorial Press has traditional logic one two and um, um, Aristotle's rhetoric. Um, Classical Academic Press has Argument Builder and Art of Argument. Even a book like The Fallacy Detective you can start with and you start learning you know, some of the, the basic fallacies and then you can get into the actual material logic of it. Why, why are those fallacies fallacies? Mm-hmm. So, but like anything, Adam, the best way to learn it is just teach it. Right. right. So when your yeah. kids are hitting that age. Uh, Which, what age do you think would be well, good? Well, you know, one of the ideas in classical education promoted by uh, Dorothy Sayers in an article she wrote, a paper she gave at Oxford in 47 called The Lost Tools of Learning. She said, you know, when kids are young, they're in this easy-to-memorize stuff stage, right? And you've mm-hmm. got kids in this age, and you were talking about it. And yeah. that kind of corresponds with grammar, like just absorb the raw information of everything. Then they hit this age, she calls it euphemistically the pert stage, I would call it they just start getting obnoxious stage because they won't, you know, they just start arguing. Like your kid hits like 11, 12, certainly by 13, they wake up and he's look for someone and something to argue about. I think I'm still in that phase. <laughs> well, you might be. Um, and, no, you're not. And so, you know, her, her point was if kids are having a natural developmental stage, why not teach them to do it well? And that seems to be a sweet spot for teaching logic to kids is that kind of middle school age level. And then they move past that into rhetoric and poetry and persuasive expression. And whatever you do, just read good books to your kids. That's the best foundation you can ever give. Yeah. And that's you could do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. We'll have you back and we'll do that. Oh, I'd love to. It's always a lot of fun to be with you guys. Thanks All right, so much, Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, guys. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. All right. Cheers. Cheers to Jesus.